0: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. And it was great news for the Wellington Phoenix fans yesterday with the unveiling of the A-League draw for this forthcoming season, 2022-23 Uh, That's the men's side of things. Uh, After spending the majority of the past two campaigns away from New Zealand, they will play 12 regular season matches here. Ten of those will be at Wellington Sky Stadium, with the other two to be taken around the country. Where will they be? We just don't know quite yet. Uh, SENZ's own football pundit, uh, the man who's been so busy lately interviewing basically everyone in the women's Phoenix side as they get signed, is uh, with us now, Ricardo Ball. Good morning to you, uh, Ricardo. Yeah, great news uh, yesterday with some home footy at at Sky Stadium.
1: Yeah, great to see, isn't it? Great to see the Phoenix back, uh, see those uh, fixtures rolled out. So 10 games definitely at Sky Stadium. They're taking three others around the place. I think one of them is in Wollongong against West Sydney Wanderers, which is part of their agreement was when they were playing at Wollongong. So two more probably in Auckland. And I think maybe some of these Newcastle Jets have let one out of the bag because they printed their fixtures uh, yesterday and released them and they have the 3rd of March against the Wellington Phoenix at Eden Park on their list.
0: Wow, that's interesting. So I think we can probably uh, take it as that. Why would the Phoenix not announce that now? Why would they hold back a separate promotion?
1: Probably, yeah, probably. Um, so, But Newcastle obviously didn't get the memo, so they've put their fixtures out and have included it in there. So I, I saw that pop up yesterday on, uh, on the Twitter feed. Some sharp-eyed Phoenix fan had seen it and retweeted it.
0: Interesting. OK. One of the great features of the home games is the timing of them. Uh, they're all going to kick off at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, which makes them very family-friendly, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think, I think it's a great move. You know, there was a few years ago... Uh, before COVID, where a lot of the Phoenix home matches seemed to be at about 7 o'clock on a Sunday, which was, you know, not, not great, not the greatest time for, uh, for families wanting to get along and, uh, and see things, especially, you know, with the school week, et cetera. So, no, good that they've been able to talk to the A-League, uh, talk to TV and, and figure it out and make it work for everybody. So 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon uh, it should mean that the cake tin is absolutely uh, kicking off every time the Phoenix are playing at home.
0: Well, the good news, uh, unlike the Breakers, who have their first game away from home when you thought a uh, nice home game to start the season would be great, uh, at least the Phoenix do have a home game against Adelaide United, so uh, it's a, a little while away, but uh, very important uh, match-up first up.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, Adelaide are uh, a team that went really well last year. You know, they're, they're a team that don't tend to get the headlines, um, but they always produce really good teams. Uh, they've got a great youth system in South Australia and they have great players coming through. And they've managed to hold on to Craig Goodwin, who is probably the the best player running around in the A-League, or well, your local, you know, locally-born player running around in the A-League. He's very important to them. So you're well done to Adelaide on last season. And it's going to be a real test for the Phoenix, first up. Um, Adelaide, they're, they're always there or thereabouts. They're always a tough side, hard to break down. And uh, they... They are a team that the Phoenix have got very good history with, so uh, it's a good way to start the season.
0: Of course, uh, they'll take a break at some stage because the World Cup is on. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. There's going to be a three week break, I believe, from about the eighth of November uh, through till basically the beginning of December. So they'll take three weeks off there uh, just for the the World Cup in Qatar, and then uh, that will mean that you know a lot of eyeballs will be on the World Cup, but also any players that are involved. In the Australian national team, the Socceroos, that are going to go to the World Cup, um, the, you know, that won't have too much of an impact on the A League sides because obviously those Socceroos will be uh, key parts of any A League side they are part of. So, I think that makes uh, perfect sense, and it's something that, in the past, the A League haven't done. They haven't broken for internationals, um, but it's good to see they're thinking about that now because I mean it does affect the product, and I know. Uh, Smitty, you know that TV is a be all and end all for modern sport But even TV, I think, is starting to realise Well, we can't just soldier on because the product does take a hit
0: Okay, let's, uh, before we get on to um, the, the women's side of things With the Phoenix, I was, I was just actually looking at the, the World Cup groups uh, Ricardo i was springing this one real wee bit But, of course, Costa Rica, by beating us, were the last team to qualify To complete uh, complete the groups uh, that that would have been a group of death that we would have been in, mate. Uh, Spain, <laughs> Germany, and Japan. Uh, I mean, that to me, that I look across the board there, and I think that's the hardest group in the whole lot, Group E.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, it was it would have been a I think a case of we've qualified for the World Cup, um, and that's about all we can expect because you know, well, I mean, Spain and Germany don't really need. Uh, any introduction on on how tough those two teams will be, but also the Japanese. I mean, they are far and away the best team in Asia at the moment. Um, And, you know, I'm trying to remember who it was. It was one of the uh, Eastern European teams that they played in the last uh, window, international window, and they had a 5-1 win against an Eastern European team. So it puts uh, into uh, context just how good that Japanese team are. Predominantly, most of their squad play in... Uh, in Europe, a lot of them playing out of uh, Germany, quite a few in Italy as well, so they're a team that's got talent across the park, and they might not all be household names, but man, the Japanese side are very, very good, so it's going to be a great group, and uh, it's going to be a tough one for Costa Rica to get anything out of, I think.
0: I suppose uh, our other interests lie with uh, England, now that we're not there, sentimentally anyway, that's always seemed to be the case. Uh, Group B, uh, England, Iran, United States and Wales. That looks like a slightly easier pathway uh, than perhaps uh, Germany and Spain and Japan have got.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. You know, and you'd think the way that Gareth Southgate's got England playing, players that they've got at their disposal, they should do that group quite easily. You'd expect them to win all three. I mean, the Welsh will definitely be up to play England. And, you know, in Gareth Bale, we've got a guy that can, can win a game from anywhere. The US... I don't think are in in a great place at the moment. They have got some talent, but I don't really rate their coach in the way he gets to try them to play it, and he gets the best out of what they do have available. And Iran, I mean, Iran could be a little bit a bit of a smoky in that group again. They're one of the better teams in Asia, and uh, they have a few players playing in like the Turkish leagues and the German leagues, so mm. they'll be quite strong as well. And they will certainly give England a test. But you would think if Harry Kane is fit uh, and England have their best team on the park, they should. Waltz that group pretty comfortably
0: i i reckon, uh, I reckon that you're right, I absolutely reckon you're right uh, other than that I think I see most of the major players getting through uh, Ricardo uh, let's get to the the women's phoenix of, of course, and so you've been uh, doing a lot of work uh, getting to know some of their personnel and this week uh, they've signed uh, New Zealand under twenty captain Kate Taylor and a backup goalkeeper and Brianna Edwards, so how's the squad really starting to shape up now?
1: It's really starting to shape up quite well. It looks like they're securing the best of the young players they had come through last season. Um, you know, Alyssa Wynnum, uh, for me, is an exciting player, Smithy. She's, um, she's great talent on the park. She's got a chat off the park. And it feels like they're building the team around her. They've actually given her a two-year deal. Everyone else has been signed on one-year deals. So it looks like, you know, there's a player that they think they can build a team around. She's a creative player. She can play 10. She can play 9. She can play as a wide forward. She can play uh, as a box to box midfielder as well. Uh, But she's a really creative player. and. Uh, looking forward to seeing how that goes. But they've also added a, a, a bit of experience in Betsy Hassett, uh, who's 31 now, plays, played over 100 games for the football ferns. She's been to three Olympics and three World Cups. She's coming back to play from uh, her club in Iceland. So that's a great piece uh, for, for Phoenix, and she'll you know sort of do a, a very good defensive job in midfield. And they've also managed to get Paige Satchell, who I really rate, who... She's 24 now, Paige, and uh, she's played a little bit in Germany. She was at Sydney FC last season. She played at Canberra the season before. She's got wheels, man. She's got real gas. She's a she's a she's a wide forward, and um, she'll be a, a, a great asset for the Phoenix. I think she will cause a lot of teams problems with her pace, and I uh, look forward to seeing her and Alyssa Winham. Link up together on the field, so got to say uh, they're picking up the best of the young talent that they gave a chance to last season, and Kate Taylor, Alyssa Winham, and and players like that. But they're getting a core of experienced ferns in there as well, and uh, I, I'm look, really looking forward to the coming season. I think you know it's going to be a, a a real tilt at the playoffs for the, for this Phoenix team. And just to give you an idea of um, Alyssa Winham, I talked to her uh, during the week last week, or well, might have been the week before now. And, you know, you just get a sense sometimes when you talk to somebody as to how engaged they are with their sport and how focused they are. I asked Alyssa Mm -hmm. Wynnum who her favourite player is, and she said, Leo Messi. And she said, uh, actually, I watch the Leo Messi documentary before every game I play. And then later on in the interview, I asked her what her favourite movie is to chill out and relax. And she said, I don't watch movies, I just watch football. Um, so I think she's one to watch. I think she, she could be uh, a real star for New Zealand football in the future. She's still only 18.
0: Wow. Well, look out for her. Alyssa Wynnum. Um Obviously, this weekend signals the start of uh, what the England Championship League, uh, plus yeah. Leagues 1 and 2. Um, which teams would we perhaps uh, be looking for? And, and uh, any Kiwis in action in those lower-tier comps?
1: Yeah, there will be Tommy Smith is still at Colchester United who are in League Two. Um, They're one of the bigger teams in League Two, so they'll be expected to be knocking on the door of at least the playoffs, I think. Um, So we'll see Tommy Smith here. And there's a guy who we haven't maybe seen as much of. He has been involved in a couple of New Zealand camps, but a goalkeeper called Nick Shanev, and he plays at AFC Wimbledon. They're uh, they're back in League Two now. They got relegated last season, Uh, but he is their number one goalkeeper. He had a fantastic game in the League Cup against Arsenal. Uh, They lost that game, AFC Wimbledon 3-1, but he made a a number of key saves, so he'll be in action for them. And also for uh, Grimsby Town. Grimsby Town have been a team that's been around the English Leagues for a long time. They got relegated two seasons ago to the champion, uh, to the, uh, out, out of the top four leagues. They got back in by the playoffs last year. And Max Crokem, who whose name you may remember, he's played for Brisbane Roar, played for Salford City as well. He is the goalkeeper for Grimsby Town, so he will be uh, suiting up for them between the sticks in League Two as well.
0: Okay, let's uh, look at the, uh, well, the traditional start for Premier League action, really, is uh, the Community Shield. Uh, that is on yeah. Sunday. And it's uh, traditionally, of course, um, a battle between um, Liverpool and Manchester City this time around. uh, With a couple of new signings on show, Uh, perhaps Darwin Nunes uh, uh, for Liverpool and Erling Haaland for Manchester City.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing now uh, this this game play. Uh, I honestly think that Manchester City will probably win this, and it and that's just based off a few things that Jurgen Klopp has said. It, it doesn't feel like Liverpool are quite ready yet, and he's pretty much said the same thing. So they play Manchester City in the Community Shield, and then the next day they play it friendly against Strasbourg. And they've organised another friendly for the day after their first game of the Premier League season. He said that he doesn't feel like they've had enough time to get ready, and uh, so their pre is going to stretch into the season, if you like. So I think that'll probably make Manchester City the favourites for this game. Their pre-season seems to have been pretty seamless, whereas Liverpool have been a little bit up and down. Uh, they beat Palace 2-0, they've beaten RB Leipzig 5-0, but they had a 4-0 loss to Manchester United to start things. And then... Just yesterday, they played Salzburg out of Austria, who you'd expect them to to rob, given that they beat uh, Leipzig, uh, and they lost that game 1-0, so... I think things are just a bit of a disconnect at Liverpool at the moment. I think they probably need a little bit more in midfield. They've lost Sadio Mane, who I think is a big part of things for them. And it looks like they're about to lose Roberto Firmino as well, which will mean two of that front three that's been so uh, dominant for them over the last few years are going to be gone. Firmino is uh, 30, he's only got a year left, and Juventus have offered him $20 million, so it looks like he's off there. Liverpool do have, you know, Diego Jota. I've got Darwin Nunes, who you said they brought in, and... Um, a few other players that they have brought in over the over the last year But I don't think those guys Are the week-in, week-out players just yet That we've seen from that previous front three So yeah, I think it might be a slow start to the season for Liverpool It's going to be an interesting one
0: Manchester United round off their uh, pre-season uh, With a game against uh, Atletico Madrid Tomorrow night, New Zealand time uh, What's the latest around uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's intent this year?
1: Well, wow, looks like he definitely wants out. Um, he has asked the club to release him from his contract. Interesting thing is where he goes, Smithy, because you know Bayern Munich were linked. They said no, we don't want him. He doesn't fit what we want. Real Madrid, Barcelona have said no, they don't want him. Juventus don't want him. PSG, he doesn't fit there. Uh, there was some talk about Atletico Madrid potentially. Uh, But Atletico's chairman has come out and said, no, don't think so. And the fans had a protest the other day with a big um, CR7 not welcome banner unfurled at an Atletico Madrid uh, preseason game. So it looks like while he wants out, there's not many places with open arms welcoming him. Um, He was offered a ridiculous deal, €250 million for two seasons to go play in Saudi Arabia but he still wants to play in Europe and he wants to play in the Champions League. And I think the thing that's really driving Cristiano Ronaldo is his record in the Champions League, his goal-scoring record in the Champions League. And if he doesn't play in it, there's a chance that or Messi can equal it or go past him this year. And I think he's desperate to play in it so that he can add more goals and, and stay ahead of Messi. And I think it's all about personal milestones for him. So the latest is Sporting Lisbon, which is his old team in Portugal where United signed him from. They are playing Champions League. They don't have the big budgets. Of course, they're not pr- probably going to be a team talked about in terms of making quarterfinals even, let alone winning the thing. But uh, as of, uh, as of uh, this morning, that is the latest rumour that he might go to Sporting Lisbon.
0: Ricardo, uh, later this morning we're going to be talking to Dr Helen Murray. She's part of a massive worldwide study. She's out of the University of Auckland on concussion and sport. And one of the sports that's been targeted is, of course, football, as a contact sport, uh, and the heading of the ball... Uh, even at junior level.
1: Got any views on that? Uh, Well, I I mean, I I think it's different now um, than it was, say, in the 60s, 70s and 80s because you've got the artificial material that balls are made of. They're no longer made of leather, so the balls no longer soak up the water. And that was a problem in the past. I mean, um, it'd be interesting to see if Helen knows the story of Jeff Astle. He was uh, a, a big player in the 70s for West Brom. And he was famed for his hitting ability. Um, And he died uh, with a brain condition that was linked to um, basically a a brain condition you'd normally see in boxes. And that was because he was hitting big, wet, heavy leather balls all the time. Um, So I I don't think it's as much of a problem now because of the synthetic balls as it was back then. Uh, but I'm sure that Helen will, will probably know a little bit more on that. But uh, yeah, uh, the Jeff Astle story is an interesting one. If, if, if that's something you want to dig into, because uh, I know his family are still um, looking, uh, talking to the FA uh, and using help with the help of the Professional Footballers' Association about getting compensation uh, and making you know educating people more on on brain health, particularly for guys of that generation who you know were still playing in the 80s when it was more of an issue.
0: Watch the space on that one, mate. As always, thank you very much. Uh, Look forward to that uh, championship uh, league getting underway. The start for uh, promotion begins in earnest tomorrow, Uh, and all the other forty-two. Catch up next week, uh, Ricardo, when we look at the Premier League's first round. Thank you, mate.
1: Cheers, mate. Go well.
0: Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low maintenance Trex deck. The only color fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.